nobody can guarantee that you can make anybody enjoy anything. You can, however, teach them and see progress and get better at doing it. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. My goodness, I don't even know what episode we're on, Andrew. I think it ends with a zero, though. Well, it's, it's more than your 100. responsibility <laughs> to know what episode we're on. <laughs> well, I know it's not 100 or 200. I know it's past that. So, so But it is ending with a zero, which means what? Ask Andrew anything. Right. Yeah. Right. And I have a list of questions that came from our listeners. And then I have another list of questions that came from our customer service team oh. that I thought would be really fun, both for you to hear what questions they might have for you, but also for our listeners who may have picked up the phone to call and spoken with one of our people or maybe gotten an email from some names you, some names you might recognize Listeners, they've got questions for Andrew as well. Okay. Not, not that he's not in the same building. I mean, we're in the same building. All but. right. So is this uh, kind of like rapid fire? Are we giving well, the, short answers? Well, the first one from listeners, let's give some more meaningful answers. Okay. <laughs> but for our customer service team, they're more like lightning round. Okay. Okay. Does that sound good? All right. The first question, and honestly, this is a question we get a lot, and this is from Sarah. And she says, what advice would you give someone starting IEW this year? And let, let me just help you a little bit understand. I'm going to get into Sarah's mind. Sarah wants to know, maybe she doesn't, but maybe I'm going to just project here. She wants to know, first of all, are there, is there a particular place that you could start with buying some of our materials? What would you start with? Mm-hmm. And second, is there anything that would be helpful her, helpful for her soul as she's embarking on this grand journey of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, listening, speaking, reading, writing, thinking. Yeah, well, um, obviously, anyone who would like to get a flavor for our Structure and Style for Students course and or our Fix It and or our Poetry Memorization, we have bundled together mm-hmm. some free lessons. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think it's just iaw.com slash free hyphen lessons. And those are available. And they're free. And they're free. <laughs> so, you know, to get started with IEW requires nothing more than a little bit of time and download and maybe print some paper. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure what level, uh, generally we say level A is grade three to five, upper elementary, level B, middle school, level C, high school. Uh, but sometimes you have a, a precocious younger child, you know, who's maybe only 11 years old, but, you know, reads and writes circles around their peers. You could go up level B. Or you Mm -hmm. have, you know, a high school student who has never had an easy time of it all. There's no reason you couldn't go to level B. And and you can try them all for free. And then if you like it, you can buy more, buy the rest. Right. The the thing I would wish that I could do for every single person who buys 
any of our writing program stuff, whether it's the teaching writing instruction style, teacher, teacher training, training course, yeah, or whether it's instruction style for students, or even if it's, you know, a, a mom who's got a child enrolled in a class mm-hmm. that someone else is teaching, mm-hmm. you know, online class or co-op or CC or something. Or maybe they're enrolled in school full time. What, what I wish I could get every parent to hear is the four deadly errors mm-hmm. because, you know, that's the, that's for the soul part. That's yeah. to keep your anxiety level down. That's to major on the majors and don't worry about the details. Give up your attachment to grades and grading and just step on the pathway. Um, avoid, you know, the overcorrection. Avoid the unclear assignments. Avoid the over-expectation and have a nice happy journey. Yeah, good. All right, Sarah, maybe more than you asked for, but certainly great advice. Thank you, Andrew. All right, I have another question from Maria. She asks, is there a significant difference when working with left brain versus right brain, also left hand, right hand type of students? My answer would be no, in that our system really works for everyone. I mean, it, I teach the same thing to everyone, regardless of age or experience mm-hmm. or learning disability. What differs, of course, is the content, the subject matter, the source text, the things you're going to write about, and then the speed of working through units or introducing uh, stylistic techniques. Right. That being said, there are some children who have more of a tendency toward order, analysis. They do better with, you know, Legos than clay. They tend to like things like math more than history, systematic types. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what she's, mm-hmm. she's getting at. And uh, rather than kind of the artistic intuitive types who take to it more readily. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we have, I think, a special strength is because we are, as as several moms have come up with, I think, independently of, a, each, of each other, the Legos mm-hmm. approach to teaching writing. Mm-hmm. We give you the pieces. We give you the plan. Now, have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that most of the parents who have helped us over the years, either right. as exhibitors at conventions or you know, getting very – wanting to be close in to what we do were kind of the math science types mm-hmm. who never really got the artistic side of the writing, but they like a system. Mm-hmm. And then they see, okay, these are the models. These are the techniques. Here's all the pieces. This is a system. And they just thrive yep. in that. Um, you know, a couple of our authors uh, – Jill Pike comes mm-hmm. to mind mm-hmm. uh, as a, a mom who was a nurse mm-hmm. and wasn't sure at all how to teach this writing stuff to her children. Right, right. So while I wouldn't make a distinction in methodology, you might notice that a child who's kind of more on that logical dominant side, mm-hmm. whichever one that is, uh, will do well, will mm-hmm. thrive. Yep. And then, of course, for all children, uh, you want to try to find source texts that are, as much as possible, engaging 
with their imagination and their right. interests. And we worked very hard to find source text for the SSS series mm-hmm. uh, that were going to have kind of a broad appeal, but also be specific and interesting. And right. I think we hit it well. I'm getting lots of you know, messages and Facebook stuff and mm-hmm. LinkedIn people saying, oh, my kid really loves the source text nice. on, you know, yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, and I'm just going to add one more little piece to that, and that is, Maria, when you look at the units and we talk about the odd-numbered units versus the even-numbered units, the even number tend to be a little bit more fact-based maybe for your right brain student. I'm sorry, that would be your left brain student, right? I don't remember. The, the more so. creative ones, those are the units three and five and unit seven where the students have to come up with wild and crazy content. And when Andrew was teaching the Structure and Style for Students classes, and actually even when you teach the teacher training course, Andrew, you say, how many of you prefer just the facts? Just give me the facts. Yeah. And how many of you prefer to be more wild and crazy and creative? And it's really interesting because the audience is generally kind of half and half. Mm-hmm. And yet because we do the units in order, the students get an opportunity to go back and forth. So, oh, I hate this unit. Oh, I love this one. And it's just the opposite. Some of the kids love one where the other kids hate it. And honestly, that's you and me. You love unit four, unit six, unit eight. Give me a unit five any day, (laughs) and I'm going to have a lot of fun with those pictures. So that's a great way. Okay, I have another question for you, this time from Sandra. She says this is about a stylistic technique. So it's kind of a technical question. I've noticed that sometimes my children's insertion of L-Y, who, which, some of the other dress-ups, feel forced and contrived, making the writing sound odd. (laughs) Sure. Is this normal? Yes, this is very normal, and it's a question we get a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in in the Four Deadly Errors talk again, you know, I do point out a few things. A new technique whether you are learning to play a musical instrument Mm -hmm. or you're doing a sport or dance or painting. Anytime you have to learn a new technique, there is an awkward period. Uh, Yes. I teach violin, used to. Mm -hmm. I would use the example of learning to play in third position. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's where you have to now put your hand in a different place to make the notes Mm -hmm. in a different way. Mm -hmm. Same notes. And a lot of times a student would say, well, why can't I just play it, you know, the way I'm used to? Well, okay, this is a new technique. It's awkward. It's not going to sound as good, but it's necessary in the big picture. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we're going to practice this and we'll get past the awkwardness. So that's the first thing I would point out. So if, uh, you know, you're teaching a technique and this child is not used to doing that um, and doesn't have a good filter for how it sounds, right, there will be this period of awkwardness. The second thing I point out is that, uh, and by doing it, it will gradually improve. Mm -hmm. The second thing I point out is that young children are awkward in many ways. <laughs> yes. Uh, they say things that are very awkward. They do things that are awkward. They kind of reach a peak of awkwardness right around the time when it's no longer cute. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, again, that just is you have to have patience. They will grow. Their sense of language will improve. And what you want to do, 
what I would suggest, this was Sandra? Yes. Uh, is that you read out loud to this child, all mm-hmm. your children. Mm-hmm. And when you are reading out loud, when you notice a style technique that was kind of very well done, you know, point that out. Say, oh, that was a who witch clause right here in this book we're reading. Let's hear that again and read it again. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're modeling basically through just having them listen to good literature, mm-hmm. you're modeling correct use of mm-hmm. those techniques. Yeah. And then the last thing is if you don't like it, don't have a conversation like, does this sound good to you? Because the kid, you know, it made sense when he thought of it, made sense when he wrote it. It still makes sense. It may not make sense to you. So either ignore it, let it go, and it's, you know, you're done. And trust the system because trust you're going to have those dress-ups even being used again. Or simply fix it. Mm-hmm. Cross out the awkward word, put a better one. Mm-hmm. You know, rephrase it so that it does sound better. And then when he or she copies it over, then they'll see, oh, this is a better way to do that. Right. But don't give a lecture on why you changed it. Right. No lectures. No Just lectures. edit, hand back with a smile. Okay. All right, Sandra, there you go. No lecturing. (laughs) Mother, not smother. That's right. Okay, Kaylee asks, how do you get kids excited about writing? How do you get boys to enjoy writing? She actually has two exclamation points and two question marks. Yes. How to get a struggling writer motivated and interested in writing. She's an excitable girl, (laughs) Kaylee. Well, I'm actually starting to rehearse in my mind an Mm. article Mm. that I'm going to write. Enjoying writing is not a good goal. Hmm. It is not. It is not effective, or I would say it's not even honest to say my goal is for this child to like writing, because that is not something you can attain with certainty. One famous writer, I cannot remember who, <laughs> said. Writers are people for whom writing is more difficult than for other people. You know, I don't really like writing. I know you don't like writing. In fact, when you said, I'm thinking about writing an article, I, my little heart went pitter-pat. Yeah, I was very well, excited about that. because you told me I have to do one for the Megalog. So, But I don't like the process. Mm-hmm. I'm not excited about it. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I do like. I like having written yep. something exactly. that does some makes people laugh or gives them a bit of wisdom or makes them think. So I don't like the process. And I wouldn't ever do it, really, (laughs) of my own free will. I mean, Mm -hmm. occasionally I force myself, but I still force Mm myself. So you've got to understand, Kaylee, that to say I want this boy to enjoy this is not the right motive. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's interesting. We do tend to enjoy as a side effect – things we're good at, mm-hmm. right? Right. So if we're good at doing something, we would enjoy that. What is my favorite thing to do? So currently, I might say cooking, but I know overall you love to speak, which is why we're able to do podcasts instead of having you do lots of writing. <laughs> so, so why do I love standing in front of a thousand people and talking for an hour? Because, because I think I'm good at it. Well, actually, you are good I at it. I don't know for sure, but I think I'm good at yeah. it. And, and so... I enjoy that. Yeah. Now, if, if, if I said, well, my goal is to enjoy talking to people, 
but rather my goal is to try to be good at it. Mm-hmm. So when you're working mm. with a boy and you say, okay, what I want is for him to enjoy this, the way to get there and the only way to get there is to help him be good at it. Right. And that's where we see the transformation. Yep. That's where we see the reluctant writer who comes into the first day of class, scowl on his face. He's been miserable every time someone has forced him to, to do this. And yet now, okay, keyword outline, rewrite, okay, add a dress up, okay, t- retell a story, add some dress ups. Gradually over weeks or months or years, mm-hmm. he acquires a level of competence, mm-hmm. which translates as confidence, yep. which then gives him a better chance of enjoying the thing. Right. But nobody can guarantee that you can make anybody enjoy anything. <laughs> you true. can, however, teach them and see progress and get better at doing it. Right, right. It's good. I, ho- I hope that helps, Kaylee. Okay, my next question is from Rose. She asks, is there a way we can incorporate handwriting attention and skills into our IEW writing exercises? Or should attention to handwriting accuracy and neatness be separated from the act of composition? Uh, the answer is Yes, we can, and yes, you are correct in that latter statement. Mm -hmm. This is why I always tell the kids, you know, when you write, don't even erase. Just do whatever. Double skip if you want to cross something out and replace it. And if it looks like a mess, I'll be happy Mm -hmm. because I'll know that you're spending your time thinking about how it sounds and not what it looks like. Okay, but that's the first draft, right? Yeah. There is no such thing as a first and only. And we start that from the very beginning Mm -hmm. with the young kids. And every single student I have ever taught, you must always have an outline. You must always have your whatever you want to call it, first draft, rough draft, sloppy copy, right, whatever. And you must rewrite that. Mm -hmm. Now, some cases we say, okay, you can type that second Mm -hmm. version, uh, which makes it easier to get to perfect. Mm -hmm. But in this case, if you're still practicing handwriting, that's the time to practice your handwriting. With the final draft. With the final draft. And that's when you can use a pencil. Mm -hmm. So that thing you and I probably learned in school, you know, uh, rough draft in pencil, final in pen. Right. Should be the opposite. Rough draft in pen so you don't waste any time erasing final in pencil. So if you need it to look nice, you can fix a transcription error, uh, a misformed letter, whatever's bugging you. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. Great question. All right. Faith, she asks, how do you transition from imitation to original writing? Well, that would be the path that takes people from unit two to unit seven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to tell that quick story about my son because I think it, it illustrates her question. I'm assuming she knows about our path, mm-hmm. Unit 2, up to Unit 7. If not, she can find out about that. Right. But my son, very, very dyslexic, uh, really couldn't read, you know, at 10 years old. He mm-hmm. couldn't read anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, you know, he can't read, but he's going to write something. Mm-hmm. I'm the writing guy. He has to write. But the only thing we could really do was have him copy. Mm-hmm. So every day... He would copy approximately 100 words. I set up a motivational system where he could earn, you know, pennies per, you know, 
penny per word per day plus a bonus if he didn't complain. He went into his airsoft weaponry purchase fund, blah, blah, blah. Kept this going for I believe it was 16 months. Mm. So that was all the writing pretty much that he did was just straight copy work. The highest level of imitation possible. Exactly. Copy work. So one day I had come back from a trip and I said, oh, let's count up your copy work and get your, you know, settle our accounts here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I turned to the last page in the book where he did this and I started reading this thing and it was just odd. It wasn't wrong. There was nothing. There were more, you know, spelling errors than would be normal for his Mm -hmm. copy work. Mm -hmm. But it was just odd. So I said, so is this your copy work? He said, yeah. So I I said, so you're telling me that you copied this from somewhere. Okay. Where did you copy it from? And his response blew my mind. He said, from my brain. Is that okay? (laughs) It it, it was mind blowing to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was what it was is a little story about a boy who fell in the in the stream in the river, and his dog jumped, went in and pulled pulled him to safety, which is actually an event from my son's early life, and it just astounded me that he could go from okay copying something here, mm-hmm. and you run it through your mind, and then you put it over here. It's it's pretty much the same thing. He's copying from his mind. There you go. And so for him, it was he just reached a critical mass Mm -hmm. of information, experience, and confidence. Mm -hmm. And by that time, 11 and a half, he was starting to read. And and from then on, you know, the copy work, we didn't do that anymore. Right, right. And and so uh, it's interesting. He's probably the most creative writer of any of my children, even though he didn't read or write anything until he was 10, 11 years old. Right. So that, I think that illustrates yep. the, the value of the imitation. Yeah. I, and, you know, I find that the creative writing is it's really hard to just force someone mm-hmm. to think of stuff. If, if they're limited in their imagination or their memory and they're trying to find something and then they're trying to find the words to, to attach to that thing to make it so they can speak it into existence, that's a really difficult thing to do. Right. So give as much help as is needed. Right. And I think, you know, our instruction style unit seven classes are really brilliantly, mm-hmm. I mean, not to praise me or anything. No, the system works. The system works. And when you watch that being taught, you're kind of like your eyes are wide open. Like, how come I never got this when I was young? Right. But, and I'm just going to point this out, just in case Faith or any of our other listeners don't recognize, Unit 7 is where most writing programs start, which is the blank page, yeah. come up with your own You have content. to think of something in order to learn to write. Your original writing. And we don't go there until the kids have had lots of months, weeks and months of experience and gaining their confidence yeah. so that they'll be competent once they hit this blank page. But then we go back over to Unit 8, which is also research. And so when I think about this original writing, I think about what you say sometimes. I've never, I've never had an original <laughs> thought. So I, I, I was thinking about just this project I'm about 
to get started on for a class that you're going to teach about, I've got to do some research and I'm not going to be writing this. I'm not going to come up with new ideas. I'm going to be doing some research to be able to compile them for you to teach them. So yeah. I just think it's uh, I, original writing perhaps is over. Well, and there, you know, I've met teachers who have said something like, so your kids don't do any real writing until March? Right. And, and I'm, okay, it's all real. Mm-hmm. And in the business world. Yeah, that's what I'm talking in about. In the professional world, in the academic world, a whole lot of what you do is you represent existing information. Right. And then you add comment right. to that. Uh, there are very few people who just write about whatever they want to from their imagination. It's That's not a, a frequent need mm-hmm. in the adult world. Right. <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, we all need to kind of just retune what are we saying when we say real writing. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good. Yep. Okay. Better right. go faster here. We're, we're getting know. to the end. I know. We're getting close to the time. Okay. I'm going to jump over to our lightning round. This is our customer service team asking some questions of Andrew. He's trying to peek. Listener, he's looking at my paper Yeah, across she didn't even let me see these I things I do not let him see the question. Okay. Michelle asks, what meal do you never cook with garlic? You personally. So I know your palate goes to savory, not mm. sweet. Mm. So obviously you wouldn't put... French toast and garlic, but you would never eat French toast. I would toast. never eat French toast. Um, oh, gosh. Good stumper, Michelle. Good job. I don't want to eat a meal that I can't cook with garlic. Um, you know, I suppose if I were making, like, nachos, I might not put the garlic on. Uh, okay. Because I wouldn't think of it. Oh, Okay. But I should. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Michelle got me on that one. Okay. She's the smartest of the group. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Marcy asks, who's your favorite kid? (laughs) I know the answer to that one. Would you like to know? Yeah. The one in front of you. Yes. Yes. Well, I I was spinning all the grandchildren. Yeah. You know, because I'm thinking about them more than I think about their parents. Yeah. (laughs) These days. Yeah, I suppose. All right. Uh, what's the best decision you've ever made? Same question from Marcy. The best decision I ever made? Well, marry my wife. Oh, there you go. Okay. Okay, Marcy has one more question. I don't know why she got three. Oh, but William got four. So here's oh, okay. Marcy's. All right. What's your favorite Christmas carol? Um, probably Joy to the World. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah. 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 William asks, what's your favorite city to talk in? My favorite city to Like do a conference teach. in. Um, yeah. Orlando. Orlando, yeah. There's something very, very friendly about everyone's there for a party. They're all happy. I can't remember anyone getting mad at me in Orlando (laughs) as opposed to someplace kind of colder and hostile. Yeah. We're not going to name the city. Okay. So what is your favorite airport? Probably Tulsa because that's – I get to leave and then I get to come home and those are both things I like. Yes. But in terms of the quality – Of the restaurants Mm -hmm. and ambient environment, Mm -hmm. I think... Would not be Tulsa. (laughs) I have to say Houston. Okay. 
it's a pretty darn good airport, but I don't go there very much because I switched from United to Delta. Okay. So now I'm always in Atlanta or Salt Lake, mostly always Atlanta. <laughs> okay. Okay. And last question from William. What's your favorite cuisine you've tried in your travels? Uh, I really just, wherever I am on earth, would always choose Indian. Yep. East Indian. That would be my, that would have been my guess too. Okay. Yeah. Evan has a couple questions. Who cuts your hair? Whoever's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, one of my daughters is, as you know, a licensed cosmetologist, mm-hmm. but she's always so busy. Uh, and I just go to wherever's close and trust luck. <laughs> and generally it turns out pretty well. Generally it turns out pretty yeah. well. Oklahoma's got a lot of requirement, yes. training requirement. Is that right? What was your first car? A 1965 Chevy Nova. Oh, wow. And I remember it quite well. I even remember the license plate, NRE471. Oh, wow. Isn't that funny? You remember, like, I don't remember any other license. I don't even know the license plate on the car I have right now. But I will never forget that particular car and that particular license plate. 65 Chevy Nova. Yep. My first car, 68 Gray Saab. Oh, really? Yeah, I drove a Saab. That was my first car. Oh, and then my dad gave me his Peugeot. Oh, wow. After that. Yeah, so you got your sports car second. I got yeah, my I first one first. Car. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jules, she asks, what do you like to do on your vacations? I just don't. I generally do whatever my wife wants. <laughs> okay, that's, that's I, a good answer. Yeah, I mean, we have traveled a little bit more now that we're totally free to do that. Mm-hmm. So what I would like is I'd like to go to some of those interesting historical places yeah. that were not fun when you had whining, tired, mm. crabby children <laughs> and just experience it, you know, places like Colonial Williamsburg mm, yeah. or Monticello or mm-hmm. the city of St. Augustine, Florida. Mm-hmm. We had nice trips there because we had no children mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, and last question came, comes from Kathleen. What is the origin of the name Pudua? Well, I was always told German, mm-hmm. but we don't really know because my father's father, who had that name, left and went to South America, I believe, to mm. do gold mining or some crazy thing mm. when my father was an infant. Oh, okay. And he never came back, and there's no contact. Oh. But... I also believe there's a good chance that it could be Polish. Oh, okay. I actually had a, a waitress in a, a restaurant in Chicago look at my credit card and say, oh, you're Polish. Oh. I said, well, I don't know that. And she said, no, it, it is. It's, it means box. You're Mr. Box. <laughs> old Polish. But it could also have been something else like Pudowska and sure. got changed, you know, at Ellis Island kind of thing. Yeah. I wonder if my parents told me it was German because when I was young, kids told Polak jokes. Yep, I remember So that. if I thought I was Polish, I might become victim of a Polak <laughs> joke. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, if, if it were, I would be proud to have a Polish yeah. name. In fact, I was supposed to go to Poland this year and I missed yeah. out. Uh, but maybe someday. Yep, very good. All right, Andrew, that's it. All right. Thanks Thanks for this engaging, as always, Ask Andrew Anything episode. Well, those weren't too tough. No.
Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.